You're listening to Creative Capes by Future London Academy. Honest conversations with designers, entrepreneurs and innovators. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Hello, dear futurist design leaders and creative thinkers from around the world. I'm Ekaterina from Future London Academy, and today I will be joined by Max Otinion, co-founder of Ragged Edge, a fantastic London-based branding agency. Ragged Edge are known for working with some of the fastest-growing startups and change makers, including Mindful Chef, Bulb, and East London Liquor Company. And you've probably seen their bright and very human work featured in various design publications, including our very own Instagram. In today's conversation, we discuss mistakes Rugged Edge made throughout 14 years they've been running, what's so special about their company culture, and what to do with a bad haircut. I absolutely loved how honest Max was during this chat, and I hope you'll enjoy it too. If you want to see our faces, check out the video version of this interview on our YouTube channel at Future London Academy. Enjoy. Hi, Max. Hi. How are you How doing? You doing? <laughs> I'm great. I'm, I'm enjoying that. It was a, a kind of a glimpse of spring today. There was definitely a bit of sun and blue sky, and I feel hopeful. How about you? Sn- yeah, we had a sniff of it, didn't we? Felt good. Before we start with deep questions, I have rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? Uh, I think so. <laughs> Amazing. Well, let's try. Um, designer or artist you admire the most? I think design. We all look up to Collins, don't we, Brian Collins, um, in our industry. So setting the benchmark still. That's a good choice. And we had Brian on this Instagram live as well. So oh, do we? I need to listen yeah. to that one. Um, you're in a good company. Um, tea or coffee? Oh, coffee every time. Can't drink tea. Oh. And you Can't live in London and you don't drink tea. This I know, I'm a terrible Englishman. T- terrible, terrible. Working from home or office fun? Ooh, um, definitely the studio. Studio, amazing. Yeah. Um, describe yourself in three words. Three words. Um, driven, my lad hyphen, self-critical, maybe. Um, tall. <laughs> that's, that's a really good, uh, good combination. Uh, I can, I'll actually... I will align with at least two of those. So I'm also very tall, by the way. For those of you who can't see us, in, in full height, we are both very tall people. Um, <laughs> what is one thing that annoys you the most? What annoys me the most? I get, like most people, I get wound up on social media quite a bit. Seeing For me, it's like humble brags annoy me. Humble brags. Yeah. Yeah, they can be very, very annoying. Um, the book uh, we should all read right now. But we should all read. Um, I really loved, I'm trying to think of the name of it now, the latest uh, Netflix book. No, I think it's No Rules Rules. I've um, heard of it, actually. I haven't read it. It's, it's about really, culture, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about building a cult, building the Netflix culture, which is um, sort of kind of controversial, but um, has some really interesting stuff in there about like um, freedom and responsibility, uh, giving people freedom, but also responsibility, which I'm trying to learn from a little bit. Oh, that's a hard balance. It is a hard <laughs> balance. Um, what's your guilty pleasure? I like um, pizza, pizza, but also a very specific pizza from a um, pizzeria called Zia Lucia, which is just around the, um, down the road from me. Oh, um, I haven't tried that pizza. Very, Something to look good. forward to. It's worth making a trek for. Do, are they doing takeaway now? Yes, and delivery even uh, even better. That, that's, that's definitely on my list now. Uh, professional achievement you are the most proud of? I guess, ragged edge. <laughs> um, getting to where we are now and, and like building the, the team that we have now and building that team um, is amazing, being surrounded by so many talented people. Great. Uh, and the last question, what's the best part about working in branding? I think it's, for me, it's about the opportunity to really get to the, part of a business and define the direction and help um, businesses find a real way to um, move forward and really have a meaningful impact on those businesses um, beyond just what they look like and what they sound like. Great. Um, Amazing. Well, we are done with rapid fire questions. uh, So we can now relax, sit back and spend another... Press off. Uh, Yeah, pressure is definitely off. And uh, we can just talk about all things that we're curious about. So uh, let me start uh, with the question of um, how it all started. I suppose 
even going further back, could you tell us a bit of a of your personal story? Where did you grow up? Uh, what was it like growing up uh, where you were? And I suppose, have you ever thought back then that you will have a company and that you will have a creative agency? The answer to that last question is, um, I definitely thought I would have a company. Uh, so my dad used to run a, a pastry business. Um, so very different, but I always liked the life that he had and um, that he was in control of his own destiny. So I kind of rather naively thought that there would be some genetic <laughs> reason why I should also have my own company too. Um, I, I think I probably thought it would be doing something like designing Lego. Uh, maybe I was quite quite into that as a kid. But I grew up in uh, the Cotswolds in a tiny little village in the middle of nowhere. Um, so, yeah, very different to where I am now. And was it a creative place? Was it an entrepreneurial place? Where did you get, apart from following your dad's steps, where did you get an idea to do something creative? It, it was, I don't think it's a particularly creative place, um, specifically. Um, there wasn't a lot going on, um, not a huge amount of exposure to culture. And obviously, um, back then, we didn't really have the internet either. So, um, yeah, it, um, I, I wouldn't say that that was what introduced me to the world of branding. Um, but um, I did always, my thing was art at school. Uh, so that was the thing that I, I was good at, uh, basic drawing. So I kind of always felt like maybe that could be in my future, but I uh, didn't really know how I would turn that into something that I could make money from, for sure. And uh, I suppose, how did it all brew to the point uh, where you actually decided, okay, now is the time to start the company. You grew up, you studied design, you were interested in design. And how did that interest and curiosity lead you to like, you know what, today is the day I am starting Ragged Edge? I'd love to say it was a nice, linear, smooth progression. Um, it wasn't anything like that, really. So I didn't study design. Um, I studied philosophy uh, at Nottingham Uni and uh, left there with no idea what I was going to do with that. I don't know what you are supposed to do with philosophy, but I never figured that out. Um, and uh, I ended up somehow uh, managing to get a, a, like a internship or like a, a work experience, basically, um, a big advertising agency called, um, it's part of the Omnicom group, uh, called TBWA, GGT Direct, catch your name. And I kind of, it was a bit of a disappointment, if I'm honest, because I thought I this was pre-Mad Men, but I kind of thought like I was going to be wa walking into this Mad Men style environment uh, where everyone was super creative and like incredibly cool and sophisticated. And um, no offense to anyone who was there at the time, but it, it kind of wasn't like that. <laughs> and it was just, like super bureaucratic and like just loads and loads of process. Um, the creatives literally sat on a different, I was a client service person and the, um, the creatives literally sat on a different floor. Uh, and we weren't allowed to talk to them. Uh, so it was, it was pretty weird. Um, at least not for me. It was um, quite, I found it quite frustrating and it kind of taught me a lot, but uh, it also taught me a lot of what I didn't want to do. Um, and so I ended up leaving there pretty sharpish. I wasn't the world's most talented um, account manager either. And um, thought that I better have a try and have a go at the creative side of things. So I'm, I'm self-taught and I taught myself all the programs and things like that and the discipline um, whilst doing a variety of other strange jobs um, and somehow managed to get some work freelancing mainly to start with honestly mainly for my friends and um, a couple of them were um, either brave enough or took pity on me to um, give me a try and that kind of turned into a sort of fairly steady stream of work and um, at that point, we, I was getting work through these things like a network, a networking breakfast. Um, I turned up to this thing and met the founder of a luxury travel company uh, called Black Tomato. He, they were looking for a, somebody to help. They were looking for an agency to help design and build a website um, for them. So they were like a really cool, like very cutting edge um, high-end travel company uh, and then they did a, a website and kind of a brand to match really um, I didn't have an agency but I kind of intimated that I might have <laughs> that this might be something that we could do um, and luckily what I did have is a friend called Matt 
who uh, was a, a developer, a web developer at the time. So we kind of figured out that we could um, sell in this process and um, help design and build their website. And again, they took a risk on us to do it, but um, Matt was working another job at the time. So we're doing all the dev in the evenings, um, finishing his one job and then uh, moving seamlessly on to coding at this massive website. And we pulled it off and got away with it. Oh, wow. And it launched. And um, the great thing was they, those guys were like incredible at PR. Uh, and what they managed to do was that this, this website, the Black Tomato website that we created, uh, won the Guardian Best Travel website of the year, I think. Wow. Um, For a which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm not sure if that was the quality of the website or the quality of their sort of ability to PR it. But um, let's, say, let's say the former. Uh, for now and um yeah that kind of gave us the launch pad really and the confidence to maybe start something a bit more formal and matt left his job and ragged edge was born that's amazing what i love about this story is actually a couple of things so first uh, it seemed like you had this kind of business brain from the beginning going to this networking breakfast not every designer would think of something like that it's actually I think I've been to one of those. It's actually horrifying to go to. It was horrifying. So that was the first and only one I've ever been to. <laughs> I also actually attended only one. It is, it is quite a lot of pressure, but you got business out of it. And I think second is this, uh, I suppose, confidence to take on a job uh, and uh, knowing that you will pull it off. And uh, I suppose th there was some pitching skills involved that made uh, the other side get convinced that you can do it and uh, yeah that they believed in you so I think that that's already a good start but as we all know <laughs> it doesn't guarantee any sort of later success no. so uh, what was it like during the first year of Ragged Edge so you got this first website you both now kind of full-time doing this what did you do how did you make money did you make money we did actually um so we got we had a couple of really big breaks. That first one was the Black Tomato thing, which was amazing. And we worked with them, not just on the website, but we managed to keep that relationship. Um, and we, we worked with them um, maybe for a couple of years or something. Um, but we also um, met someone who is now a really good friend, um, a lady called Natasha, who um, hired us for, uh, to do some invitation design for uh, Grey Goose Vodka. And at the time, like I'd never heard of Grey Vodka. It wasn't a thing in um, the UK. Uh, it, it, it sort of just launched. Um, and so we didn't really know what we were letting ourselves in for. We had no right to win the work. But um, Natasha took a, a risk on us. Um, and, um, yeah, we just did one small piece of work for them. And that kind of ballooned uh, into a whole load of stuff um, that, ended up in a I guess now 14 year relationship with that with that client wow that's crazy yeah and I, yeah and again um it was we just it was genuinely was being in the right place at the right time but also I think my training um at the um, advertising agency that I've just callously um <laughs> rubbished was actually really valuable because it enabled me to talk the talk uh and even if I couldn't quite walk the walk that's actually a good point. And I feel like I, I always advise any, anyone who wants to run a company to work for a company because you learn so much uh, while working with big clients. And, and you kind of, you have a, I suppose it's a safer, safer space to practice your skills, but you have uh, other professionals around you. So if you mess something up, it's not the end of the world. Someone will pick it up. Uh, and also you can practice it on a much larger scale. So Straight away, I suppose at your first job, you were working with kind of very important people and clients. Uh, yeah. While if you start as a freelancer, you mainly work with your family and friends first. So when you get this first client meeting, you might like freeze, but you had this practice at the beginning. So it, it actually helped. Do you know what actually have you asked uh, these first clients? What made them believe in you? Because again, there are many freelancers, there are many people who are ambitious. But did they say what what in your pitch resonated with them? Certainly, I, so I, I, I'm really good friends with Natasha now, um, and so um, I think what she saw was a, a, like a level of integrity. I did my sort of sales technique, if you like, has never been about bullshit. 
um, or overselling or overclaiming. Um, I just, that's just not who I am. I'm not very good at it. Um, so that, um, I think she really responded to the kind of honesty, but also knew that we would work our socks off uh, and really like just push until it was perfect, um, which obviously she was, she was actually quite new into the role and she just needed to know that someone else was going to be there to um, be working as hard as she would and um, would be an invested enough or as invested as she was in the end result. I suppose 50% luck, 50% hard work, but uh, definitely good results. Um, so from that kind of first year, and I suppose you started getting more projects, at what point you started hiring people and growing it beyond just two of you? So we hired, I think, that's a good question. I think we hired our um, first team member, who was another developer, actually, a chap called Ian, I think in the second year. So we, we've always been, I suppose it's worth giving some context. We've always been, you asked about like, when did we make money? Um, as a business, we've always been quite like our understanding of financing for businesses was as simple as like, if you make money, then you will have enough money to pay bills and salaries and things. So literally on the first day of Ragged Edge, we made money because we built, you know, for that day. Um, so we were quite cautious, particularly to begin with, uh, to make sure we would have enough money to, you know, in case something went wrong uh, and we didn't have to, uh, like that we could afford to keep this person when we did bring them on. So it took us a little while to build the confidence to do that. Um, Ian came in uh, and was amazing. And then our, um, I guess, second employee, uh, it was a chap called Luke, Luke Woodhouse, who um, is now one of our creative directors uh, 14 years later. Wow. Which is pretty amazing. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, that again speaks to a special culture that you, you're building. And we'll talk about culture late in this conversation because I feel like it's such an important topic and definitely something that makes uh, your agency different from um, any other place. Um, so, okay, you've started hiring people, I suppose you started growing. But I think what's interesting about your story in particular, because you've been going on for 14 years, um, but you kind of started getting very popular in recent few years, which is uh, very interesting considering how long have you been going. And again, yeah. it seems like you've been doing amazing work. So what happened and how, how come it's only the last few years that brought you the popularity of the industry, I suppose? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So there are lots of I see now like these agencies just popping out of nowhere who are just emerge fully formed and apparently perfect and doing sort of like smashing out amazing work for amazing clients like from day one. Regulus definitely wasn't that. We, the whole, I guess, ethos behind what we were doing and certainly the reason for our success was that we were learning on the go. Um, but And so we built up very gradually and got better with every project. We... To begin with, so for the first, I, I suppose, five or six years, um, we were just taking any work that we possibly could, um, just embracing it, like just excited that we had a business and that we were able to build and we were able to work in this incredible industry. We got to the stage where we weren't really sure what type of agency we were. So we were doing all sorts of things like we were doing uh, a bit of design, um, a number of like little restaurant identities and things like that. Uh, we were doing some digital work, so website design, dev, that kind of thing. We were doing some experiential. We once put on a nightclub in Elton John's garden, which was pretty cool. Wow. But, yeah, it was great. I mean, it was an amazing experience. But um, the it was also a problem because we just didn't really have a sense of who we were. And the, and, the, and the work was a bit messy and a bit all over the place. We weren't. We were definitely a jack of all trades, master of none. Um, one of the real turning points, I was sort of thinking about this this morning, was Luke, um, who I mentioned already. Um, he'd been with us, like, incredibly, incredibly like, talented, loyal guy um, and, like, the beating heart of, of, of this agency. And he'd got frustrated. Um, and he'd gone and, he'd, and he'd, he got offered a role um, at, a, at a different agency, a bigger agency than us, where he was going to have responsibility for some sort of big grown-up accounts but very specializing in, in in branding and that's what he wanted to do and that's where his heart lay and he was he'd got frustrated at, at ragged edge because we were just doing all sorts of everything and it was all just a bit messy and a bit unfocused and we had this quite um matt luke and i had this quite um emotional conversation obviously we def definitely didn't want him to leave and i think 
we recognized what he was saying um and we decided together that actually let's go and build the agency that luke wanted to work at um and so we decided there and then like we're just going to like have a relentless focus on the branding build a branding business from within this sort of amorphous nebulous agency that we'd created uh, and really focus on building that and so what we did is we were lucky because we had this income from these other like you know decent clients who were reliable and giving us great work and that enabled us to really um, build a branding business from the inside and take on some jobs that we perhaps wouldn't normally have been able to afford to take on because the budgets weren't quite right one of which was the business that was um, that went on to become bulb the energy company Uh, and the other one um, was mindful chef um, so we met these like two sets of like incredible founders building these incredible businesses and got to work on those and really, really throw everything at it. And we were able to do that because we had the income coming in from uh, some of the more established clients uh, to create these um, brands and identities uh, that would then go on to become these like huge uh, businesses, incredibly successful. And having those as case studies just enabled us to take the step, the next step and, and become a real branding agency uh, or real specialist focused branding agency with a serious reputation. Brilliant. I want to actually go back to a few points that you mentioned, because I feel like there is so much to unpack in this story. Uh, one interesting moment, obviously, that you mentioned that was crucial, that kind of the mm. feeling that it's the wrong company and your um, creative director, Luke, realized yeah. that um, it wasn't the right place. And we actually had similar a uh, story from JKR when right. Sean, uh, they yeah. talked about how, yeah, Sean talked about how they realized they were in the wrong place. And that was actually a turning point for a company that they decided to stay and they did turn around the whole kind of type of work and the processes that were in the company. So kind of, um, it's good to now reflect on all these stories and say, you know what, when people are leaving your company, it might be a great opportunity for you to, to stop and pause and think about what you're doing and actually turn it around to become the best you could ever be and uh, do the greatest work you could ever do. So uh, I think that's kind of um, an interesting, um, I suppose, angle to look at something that um, in the moment might not feel as great. Yeah, uh, it definitely. And- yeah, it was tough to hear at the time, but, you know, Luke was absolutely right. Um, and, you know, that decision really defined you know the next seven years amazing and, and i suppose the second part that i wanted to ask you more about is um obviously you decided to go for this kind of branding as your main thing mm-hmm. and um knowing that first of all your first hire was a developer uh, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of two of you were on the kind of design advertising side versus again uh, coding and development uh, I wouldn't say from those ingredients I would say go for branding yeah. uh, so how how did you decide that you should actually become a branding agent rather than a digital agency as like there like we spoke to Sinks the founder of us too and he obviously was fully digital and kind of love this wave of mobile that helped them grow the company they kind of realized the opportunity there so why did you decide to actually go against the, the technological route and go for branding for us and and, and I, I suppose this is personal taste but for us like branding was where the action is because it's where you get to set the vision and define um how the company shows up across every single touch point internally uh, and then externally as well so it feels it's always felt like branding to me has always felt like number one the biggest like strategic opportunity the biggest creative opportunity because you're creating something from nothing, but also the hardest thing to do because you're creating something from nothing. And so it felt creatively the direction that we, we've always rightly or wrongly, perhaps wrongly, we've always very much made decisions based on that and the emotional factors and what are actually we and the team going to get the most out of how are we going to grow? How are we going to learn the most and what's going to emotionally drive us rather than thinking uh, like a you know proper entrepreneur would think about what's the best commercial opportunity makes sense and i mean i'm obviously biased and i love branding <laughs> and uh, that's the industry that i feel the most passionate about uh, but it's quite interesting kind of how you people to can you actually pause and talk more about the elton john 
garden <laughs> club because I just I can't get away it's nuts, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So it was a um, it was a partnership with Greg used um, used to sponsor the Elton John AIDS Foundation, and every year the Elton John AIDS Foundation would um, host a um, a ball called the um, uh, White Tie and Tiara Summer Ball, which is a big celebrity thing to raise money to benefit the foundation. The idea this time was that Grey Goose was going to hold, was going to literally, after the dinner party, um, all the guests would uh, walk across the lawn and uh, go to this, like, purpose-built nightclub. Um, and so our job was to conceive, like, the, the, the guest experience uh, and then come up with a concept and an idea. And we worked with this um, agency called uh, MP & Co, who then brought it to life. So it was surreal. Um, and I remember at some um, some point, like being on the dance floor with um, Fatboy Slim DJing and like Gandalf <laughs> dancing around next to me, um, definitely putting me to shame and thinking, I, how have I ended up here? What on earth is going on? Wow. It's pretty weird. Um, yeah, I love these stories. They're definitely something to remember and... Uh... Um, again, they, they happen out of nowhere and from quite random place. And I suppose that they stay in our memories for a long time. Um, that's amazing. And so, okay, going back to um, now that you've got these amazing clients like Mindful Chef and Bulb. Um, and again, at that point, they were small and you decided to throw all your efforts and energy to build the best brands for them. Um, where, I suppose, first of all, how did they come to you? And like, is it again hanging out with friends? And I, I can see the thread of good networking skills <laughs> happening here. Or were they, did they see something in you at that point that attracted them? So Bulb found us through, through the network, but actually one of our team at the time, uh, a chap called Jason Bailey, who's now a um, very talented photographer. Um, he was on our client service team and he, um, he knew the uh, membership manager at Second Home, which is where, which is a, um, I guess, a co-working space, um, and that was where Bulb were based. So we got an intro through that, uh, which is again very fortuitous, um, but great. Um, and then uh, mindful, mindful chef. Do you know what? I don't know. I can't remember. I, I think maybe. I honestly don't know. <laughs> Sorry. No, I think um, it's. It, it, I, but, but I feel like it's still quite interesting how it seems like you had great partnership first client second so Definitely. all the people who came to you they already kind of connected with you in a human side first before getting into the business which not always happens and I feel like that's definitely something that um, I suppose helped in uh, in those relationship building those trends especially when you're building something new you need a lot of trust between both parties um, so uh, it seemed like that trust was there at least to some extent from the beginning. Yes, that, I mean I think that's a really astute point, and it's always been certainly in the early days that was always our strength, and that the whole team that we've um, the whole, all of Ragged Edge is like was always built on that sort of sense of integrity, and I think you, clients can see that and understand it, and I think when you find someone to work with who shares similar values and a similar way of doing things and similar beliefs, you're off to a really good start. Um, I think that's particularly the case with uh, founders and entrepreneurs, where they are looking for people who believe in the vision, who can understand the vision, who can get what they're trying to do and connect on a human level. Uh, and that's, you know, their whole way of doing things is based on those kind of relationships. And so it, it, for that particular type of client, it was, it was, particularly effective uh, amazing so now kind of moving forward you've got these two clients and uh you did great work for them but again lots of companies do great work for other companies and they still don't get <laughs> i suppose the uh the, whether it's fame or the recognition that mm -hmm. uh they must deserve so what do you think was special about those two projects that brought all attention to you and what happened next? Like, how do you feel that transformed your company? I think we, through those two projects, we found a voice um, and a, it, although the, t the two projects were visually and um, verbally quite different, I suppose, they have some things in common. 
in terms of what it makes to have a successful brand. Bulb in particular is like, you know, as an energy company, they were going up against legacy energy companies that were just old fashioned and creating a, a brand that felt really contemporary and modern that re- like was able to create that sense of kind of conflict in the category. It was really emotion. It was a really simple brand. And I, for me, like brands have to be simple um, because like, I don't feel like I'd say this on here, but like people don't care about brands, normal people that aren't listening, aren't watching this. Um, normal people don't care about brands. And so we have to work really, really hard uh, to make brands as simple and as easily understood as they possibly can be, particularly when you're in the kind of the space that we are, where we're working with the businesses that are doing something different or unfamiliar. And also the really other really important thing, I think, for me is um, like they're driven by emotion and both the Mindful Chef brands and the, the bulb ones compared to the, the category that they were both in were really like had a really strong emotional beating heart to them. And again, for me, that's in any kind of um, commercially driven creative work, you have to have that emotion at the heart of it to allow people to connect. And was there straight away as you launched those two projects, more requests that are coming in from clients or was it not as dramatic as that? It definitely wasn't as dramatic as that. Um, and actually one of the things that we weren't very good at at that stage was promoting ourselves we and perhaps this comes from me and like I talked about being self-critical earlier we didn't really want to talk about our work until we were really confident that it was as good as it could be and we wanted to kind of announce ourselves once we were in a place where we felt really really confident in what we were doing and that we compete we could compete with the best a lot of that early stuff kind of went a bit under the radar almost deliberately Um, and so when we did the bold work we didn't PR it um same with same with with mindful chef so it didn't it's not like today where it like would have shown up on all the blogs and things so it was it was much more people started to engage with bulb the company and then they might look up who did the branding for example or the same with mindful chef or any of those other kind of early clients that we work with i can so relate and i can see so many people can relate to your point about waiting for the perfect moment when you do have the the level of quality that you expect and then you can present yourself to the world Um, and it's definitely something that stops a lot of agencies freelancers creatives uh, from actually being where they want to be because that moment never happens (laughs) it was definitely it was definitely a mistake like we shouldn't have done it that way Um, and I think to your point about like a sort of overnight success that took 14 years we would I think we would have had we would have built our reputation and, and the business much faster had we had a bit more confidence and um you know I t- promoted like just been a bit more ballsy about the way we promoted ourselves brilliant I, I, I now I can see that you're doing a much better job uh, at promoting <laughs> because I feel like probably the past year your name was all over the news and design news and publications and internet, which is amazing because you've done incredible work and definitely worth shouting out about that. And uh, you can see the, the kind of the engagement that you get from people. And I suppose it kind of serves both ways. Like on one hand, it is promoting your work. On another hand, it's also getting feedback and getting this uh, loop of satisfaction when you work very hard on something and you just kind of put it on the shelf and move on to the next project. You never get this release of endorphins where you're like, yeah. okay, that was great. Let's do next one. Yeah, it's 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 quite cathartic. So we put at Rugged Edge now, um, which is different to what it used to be, we put we set great story in the case studies. And for us, like getting the case study out, putting it out into the world feels like we've finished and we've done the job. Actually, that's very often not true. And we'll continue working with the client beyond that. But it just, it feels like a stake in the ground and it feels like a chance to like share the work. So it feels like quite cathartic for us. It's quite exciting. You never, again, perhaps this is just me, not necessarily the agency, but I've never, you never know what, how people are going to respond to the work. Um, And so there's always a sort of sense of nervousness to that as well. Um, But it's, yeah, it's great to see. It's amazing seeing people engage with it and you get, you know, this, the branding community in particular 
I, I find incredibly supportive of each other um, and the community that you've, you've, you guys have built here, for example, it feels it's not snarky and it's not, you know, that of course there are sometimes some negative comments and things, but broadly, like overwhelmingly, the comments that we get and the rest of our industry gets are really supportive. Everyone wants everyone else to succeed. And I think that's a real like lovely character of this industry in particular. I totally agree with that. And even from the chat that we have here, there is so much love and support coming your way because everyone uh, admires your work, but also not try to show the support, which I feel like it's so important for any creative uh, industry and creative community to show support for each other because creativity uh, kind of by, by saying good things to another person, you don't limit your own creativity. It kind of lifts everyone up and benefits everyone uh, if we all support each other. So it's, it's yeah. incredible to hear that you had the same experience. Um, and I suppose on, on the flip side, like I'm sure there were dark days in this whole history. <laughs> so do you remember the hardest day throughout running a company where you didn't want to get out of bed? There was, it, it was bad. Do you remember what was it and maybe what caused it and how did you go about it? There have definitely been some dark days. Um, I'm a bit of a worrier. And I, um, so, yeah, when something goes wrong, it, in my mind, it's a much bigger problem than sometimes it is in real life. Um, but very recently, of course, I think we, you know, had, if not the worst day, then certainly the worst week of um, any of our careers when, um, so a year ago, almost like this month, um, when coronavirus became a thing. Um, and when we had to um, sort of re like completely redesign the business from scratch one day. So our situation then, which I'm sure is very common to almost everybody here, so this is certainly not unique, is, um, you know, March was our, I think we had our best ever, if not best ever March and best ever, maybe even best ever month, um, March a year ago, coronavirus happened and we had to um, reconfigure the whole business uh, to work online for working from home and figure out like what does that mean like what does that mean for a process what does that mean for our team what does it mean for a culture for everything at the same time as that we had I think we lost two-thirds of our business in, in, within about 48 hours so Matt and I were taking calls just relentlessly <laughs> with clients who were just you know, obviously incredibly, like, incredibly apologetic uh, it was not their fault but you know pulling work and this like lovely like um, uh, schedule that we had planned out for the next couple of months just fell to pieces. Um, and it felt at that point, it felt existential. Like we felt, you know, this could easily be it because no one, you know, there was no end in sight. Uh, so that was really tough. And we had to make some really tough decisions uh, as a business. Um, obviously, like the first thing we then had to do was cut costs. Um, and we just, our overwhelming priority was to try and keep the team. We, you know, spent 14 years building this incredible team who'd all put their uh, trust in us and worked like so hard uh, and put so much heart and emotion into Ragged Edge, the business, to make it what it was. So our overwhelming ambition was to try and just protect the team and, and, and look after them as best we could and keep to keep that in place. So we tried to, we cut every cost everywhere else, everywhere we could, um, but that still wasn't going to be enough. So like many businesses, like we were both thankful, but also, um, also it was extremely humbling experience, like having to use the furlough thing. And um, we put back or asked about half the team to furlough. Um, we asked them also to take pay cuts as well, which was horrible <laughs> um, because nobody deserved to be furloughed. Like it wasn't like they hadn't been either working hard enough effectively enough or anything they've been doing an incredible job and to have to stand up or like go on a zoom and do this all via zoom and ask these incredibly talented loyal people to make those sacrifices was awful um you know it, it just felt like we'd failed just having to ask those questions felt like we'd failed the team uh, and failed the business and all the rest of it to their the team's credit they to a person responded just unbelievably well um and 
they everyone whether they were furloughed or whether they were the people who were asked to like hold the business together while we were trying to figure out what the hell was going on um they were incredibly supportive and they pulled us through this um and like it it is a testament to the strength of the kind of culture that not that matt and i that created but that had emerged um from ragged edge that i guess we are now where we are now um a year later um and we're kind of still here i'm still still working albeit still from home sadly wow i mean that is a tough tough year and tough decisions to make um and uh, especially being in charge of those decisions um and as you said you're the type of person who overthinks and uh <laughs> and I, I i can only i can only imagine how how hard it is to to, to say that to the group of people who are talented and as you said who are loyal and incredibly deserving of um, of everything that they have um do you remember anything how, how did you how did you survive during that because it's um again you need to kind of keep yourself together and uh be at least <laughs> at least at 50% level to your team yeah um, to like anything that you did that helped to to actually yeah stay stay a, a, somehow an i don't know an example or just a, a good human to the rest of the team yeah um it was really hard but, um it was hard for everybody i think it, we had a really clear goal and you know we were fighting for survival and so that gave real focus to the to everything we were doing um and it like in many ways it was as motivated as i think any of us have ever been um because it was you know the threat was real um you know we felt so much responsibility particularly for the people that you know we were asking to sit at home and do nothing so that that was really in some ways that was quite good because it you know you focus your mind on something um i i think you survived the first bit on adrenaline um but it takes its toll i had one sort of um i shouldn't say this i had one moment in particular where um i had a like <laughs> i got i was getting you, you know so part of this new experience was being on zoom the whole time right and you're looking at your face the whole time and i was getting really stressed about or not stressed but annoyed with my hair had got like ridiculous um <laughs> it kind of is now and i tried to administer a um a self haircut <laughs> that did not go well <laughs> um, i had to, <laughs> i basically I, so i had a beard trimmer and i in the mirror just like i didn't think about it <laughs> can't believe i'm telling a story and uh, i i didn't think about it at all and i hadn't put the um little um bit of plastic on it properly or something and so i thought i was going to you know <laughs> to give it a sensible trim but in actual fact like shaved the side of my head to, to pretty much to the bone so my hair was like longer than this and then just one bit here that had a uh, just a massive bald patch <laughs> Oh which is pretty cool how did you explain this to, to the rest of the people <laughs> so i did it on a sunday night and then we do a monday morning meeting which matt and i um it kind of like the host i guess run uh and so i had to show up on the monday morning meeting <laughs> like yeah it's a it's a talking point it's an icebreaker <laughs> Oh. Oh, I think uh I think this this experiments we, we all had during the lockdown whether it was with hair or with with any other things going wrong in the houses. Um I suppose it's a good practice to to deal with um unpredictable things and how do you behave in this situation. So I think now you can pull off any sort of awkwardness in front of the client. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, let's let's try and take the positive from it. <laughs> well, um and I I I suppose I wanted to kind of quickly touch on one more thing that you mentioned which is culture and people and uh, it it has been a, a, an incredible thing that you've built. 
Um, mm. And again, probably there are two different cultures uh, or different, I suppose, flavors of the culture that you have before 2020 and I suppose during 2020. But uh, what would you say is so special about the kind of the people that you have and how they work together or the culture that you, you created? Can you describe it in any way? Yeah. So we've always had, so that, that kind of level of integrity that I talked about earlier has always been at the heart of, of, of what we're doing. People work, and the culture has come about through, I guess, initially through the, Matt and my values as human beings. But really then it got taken on by the agency and it, it has been very much something that has emerged to begin with organically from the whole team. And, um, you know, Luke was, was one of the people that really drove that to begin with. Um, and um, we've since built, you know, everybody that came in and joined the team added something new and brought something new to it, but had that same hunger and that restlessness and that, um, but also that uh, really love of like collaboration and working with other people. Uh, and um, so, yeah, it emerged to start with, it emerged quite organically. We then tried to systemize it a little bit. And probably the, one of the best decisions we've made over the past couple of years is um, to appoint a, a head of people and culture. So um, Lisa um, oversees all of that. And um, her job uh, is to you know, make ragged edge culture work, basically. Uh, and she does an absolutely phenomenal job. Um, and yeah, it, it just means that what, um, as you get bigger and particularly in this kind of, uh, work from home environment where it's harder, like you, I think you have to put some stuff in place to try and make sure that, to protect the, the culture that you've created and, and, and kind of reinforce it and, and also let be open to it changing and other people coming in and, uh, bringing, adding to it. I think that's one of the things that I slowly probably not fast enough, but learned is that like, you know, we talk about diversity and things, but like the more different type of people and being open to kind of adding that culture, adding to the culture rather than just accepting that it's this like static thing is, is like what keeps, um, keeps things moving and keeps it as, as good as what it is now. Are there any particular things that you I suppose do or practice as a team that help this culture uh, to be supported and cultivated? Yes, there are. I mean, we do, I think we do all the things that, uh, you know, lots of agencies are doing in terms of trying to make sure that we don't just talk about work together and particularly work from home and, and just making sure that there's lots of initiatives going on all the time. Lots of work, making sure that people are looking out for one another. Um, and that as we talk, one of our kind of, um, I guess, principles as an agency is like people first. Uh, and just really trying to look out for people and make sure the people are okay and start from there. Um, and I think that is, that's not, again, not, not just a, from Matt and I, that comes from the whole agency and the, 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 everyone here is very caring and looks out for each other. Um, that makes sense. And I feel like culture could be a, a, another topic of our conversation, going deeper to all the wonderful things that you do as a team and definitely you invest time to think about culture, which is actually a good place to start to, to make a, deliberate um, decision to to consider what needs to be done, whether it is practices, rituals, approaches, or who needs to be in charge of it, which is, again, uh, another important thing. Um, so th that's fantastic. I, unfortunately, we're running out of time, and uh, I wish we had another hour to talk about all these wonderful things because <laughs> it seems uh, like it's a lot of fun. Um, and I suppose I wanted to finish with one last question to you, uh, which is um, kind of, you've been running this company for 14 years and mm -hmm. you learn things as you went and uh, again, no one taught you how to do things. So you had to figure things out um, on your way. So if you had to go back to, let's say five years ago, um, mm -hmm. so when your company was nine years old and uh, you could give yourself an advice that would save you a lot of energy, stress, time, money, whatever there is, what would that be? I think it would be about having the confidence and belief in what we're doing. Like lots of people in this industry, I think there's, you know, everybody has this like imposter syndrome, right? And you always think that everyone knows more and everyone is better at whatever they're doing than you are and you're faking it. Um, so the reality is every, everyone has that. 
and um, having the confidence to talk um, confidently um, about the work we're doing, um, to be not afraid to put it out there. Um, I wish we'd done that earlier and it being able to do that now and actually like confidently say, we want to be one of the best in the world um, and really focus on that um, and not be ashamed of it has really helped focus the agency and really drive the quality of the work. We perhaps could have done that earlier and um, might've got there sooner. Amazing. Wonderful. And um, I feel like you're definitely on the path um, of being the best in the world. So I'm excited. And every time I see a new project announced by, by your team, it's just such a joy to look at. So thanks for Thank inspiring you. creatives around here, but also being very human. And uh, I didn't know the fun side of you. So I'm very <laughs> glad we had this conversation. And uh, was, definitely. <laughs> you did very well to get that story out. <laughs> Well, it is now out, but thank you for sharing. And so that's, I, I, I suppose, proves your point about being human and being real mm. and uh, kind of why people do trust you as a company or you as a person uh, because of this uh, special relationship that you can build, which is based on being honest and being transparent and being yourself. Um, so thank you for that. And uh, and thanks everyone for joining. Uh, I can see so many lovely comments everyone is posting. So thank you for being part of this conversation. And um, it, it has been a joy. And uh, if you're not following Ragged Edge yet, please do it right now. Go on their Instagram. And uh, they have fantastic work. And uh, check out their website because you'll see more brilliant projects. I was just going through it today and I noticed more, more and more uh, interesting things that I haven't seen. So uh, definitely check it out. Uh, any last words, Max? Thank you. And yeah, I like if this inspires anybody, just that confidence thing. Like just believe in what you're doing. It, it, honestly, it, having that belief is not something I had right from the beginning. And it would, would have made all the difference. So have that confidence in what you're doing and believe in it and good things will happen. That's fantastic. Believe in yourself. Um, <laughs> that's a good advice for all of us. Uh, thanks everyone for joining and please do follow Futureline Academy for more interviews. There will be more coming out soon. And uh, thanks everyone too for joining and until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you want to join one of these interviews in the future and ask your questions, Follow us on Instagram, we are at Future London Academy. We are doing Instagram live chats weekly with some of the most inspiring people in the industry, so prepare your questions and see you there. If you want to learn from these people about how they work with clients and approach projects in more depth, join one of our courses at Future London Academy, taught by the best of the best in the world of design and innovation. And if you're ever in London, come in for a coffee. We love meeting new people. Thanks again, and until next time.